Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J and I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater out in Massachusetts. And today is Wednesday, February 28th, can you believe it? 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Today we're reading from the big book and we're on page 31, the third paragraph, which begins, we do not like to. And that is the one paragraph we're going to be reading and commenting on today. And the readers today are Anita L. on the 12 Steps, Roanne M. on the 12 Traditions, and readers of the text are Ginger C. and Lisa B. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, February 27th, are the following. For the 7 a.m. meeting, 11,101. And for the 10 a.m., 11,103. Right. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Anita L. to read OA's 12 Steps for us. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. The 12 Steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. 
eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thanks so much for letting me give service, and have a beautiful day, everyone. Thanks a lot, Anita L. And I'll now ask Roanne M. to read OA's 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Roanne M. calling from New York, New York, a gravely recovered compulsive overeater. The 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, Each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me be of service. Thanks so much, Roanne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. 
Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book. We're in, you know, more about alcoholism and we're on page 31, the very last paragraph, the third paragraph, which begins, we do not like to. And I will ask Ginger C to get us started. Good morning, Ginger. Good morning, Anita. Thank you again for your service. Um, Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Colorado. So we do not like to pronounce any individual as alcoholic, but you can quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Try to drink and stop abruptly. Try it more than once. It will not take long for you to decide. And if you are honest with yourself about it, it may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. And I just love the ending of that sentence. It may be worth a bad case of jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. And, um, you know, I hear it with some people sometimes they're working with another and that person's just not quite convinced and they're not knowing and, and these directions in this book are so precise and exactly, you know, we don't keep working with them. We're not their life coach. We're not here to convince them. You know, I'm not here wanting it more than you. And if you haven't gotten this full knowledge, it may be worth the jitters to go back out and to eat some more bites. Because that is absolutely what did it for me. It was the research I had to take, every beautiful bite, and one less bite, I might not be here today, this morning, on this line sharing that I'm recovered. So it's the food that does the convincing. It's the eating that brings you to your knees and helps you to understand that, yeah, I'm screwed without God. And I have this. I have this twofold nature, this allergy that produces a phenomenon of craving. And then this mind that tells me I don't have this disease and is trying to convince me every day to go back to the bite. So, um, you know, the most important part is this first step, and it is the only step we have to take 100%. And we read it recently on page 30 that I have to fully concede to my innermost self that I'm a real compulsive overeater, and it has to go head to heart. That's when Ebby was so beautifully giving his experience in that kitchen. He was bypassing Bill's head and going to Bill's heart. And Bill was seeing that, yes, I'm one of you, Bill, Ebby, and I need this too. So if you're not convinced and you're not there, you may have to go back out and get this research. And like the book says, get a, you know, have a case of the jitters. Because again, until that place happens, you have no foundation. You will never get that step one completely. And I had to know, again, 
innermost inside myself. I am screwed. I am in trouble. And thank God the food and the bites convinced me. You know, I had a sponsor trying to convince me at one point, telling me ginger sugar is skull and crossbones. Stay away. It's poison. You know, and it just didn't resonate. I heard the words, but it didn't resonate in me, not in the way that it needs to. But boy, you you continue this path. If you're a real compulsive overeater, it will absolutely progress. It will go down. And thank God, because that's what caught my attention. I realized that if I didn't get help and I didn't get it fast, I was really in big trouble. This was bad. I know Bill's story, not from my alcohol. I know Bill's story from my sugar addiction completely, 100%. So, again, I'm grateful for every beautiful bite. And I, I just pray that um, that you're there. And if you are there, then you work it like your life depends on it because it absolutely does. And this program is all about action, what I'm doing, not what I'm thinking. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much, Ginger C. Who would like to share on that paragraph? Tina S. Reba P. Kenzin P. Kenzin P. Sandy S. Sandy. Cindy S. Mindy R. Well, I'm going to stop with four. My goodness. This is Charles H. Oh, Charles. Okay, I like to stop with five. (laughs) Thank you. All righty. Okay, so Tina S. followed by Tenzin P. Good morning, Tina. Thanks so much, Anita. Tina S. Recovered Compulsive Eater Anorexic in Florida. Wow, what a great paragraph, you know. And, uh, you know, one of the things that I heard that I really love and really com- makes it, brings it home to me is from the head to the heart, you know, because one of the things that I know, as long as I'm still up in my head, Tina's got some kind of plan and design. And, and the good news today is I was convinced, you know, I knew uh, for a long time that once I put my alcoholic foods in my body that there was no turning back, whether it be that I continued to eat it or I continued to think about eating it. You know, one way or the other, I was in a prison. Uh, you know, today, again, the good news for me is one day at a time. I don't have to put those foods in my body you know, once I get up in the morning, and for me, you know, I get up, I ask God to keep me sober, abstinent, and sane, and when I do, he does, and so continually throughout the day, you know, and I follow the, the directions in the book, big book, and not perfectly by any means, but a lot of days, I'm just reading it, and I'm not really thinking it, because I'm thinking about what's going on in my job, or what's going on in my home, or what's going on wherever, but most days, you know, I take that time in the morning to ask for direction, to ask God to direct my thinking, so therefore that I have a shot, you know, and that I can pause throughout the day, that I can do these things, that, oh, that I don't have to go to that place of desperation again and to live in the, in the disease that keeps me in prison one more day. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Anita J. Star I'm sorry, I had it on mute. Oh, I said so. Oh, I was so eloquent. <laughs> okay, uh, thank you. And uh, Tenzin and then Sandy. 
Go mm, ahead. Good, morn- good morning, everyone. So mm, beautiful to read this paragraph. Um, there's some phrases that popped out for me today. You can quickly diagnose yourself um, that, that we are the ones, I am the one who know best. And um, I was thinking so this is where I do have the power. Um, and I knew from early on when someone 12-stepped me into OA long, long time ago, I knew right away that this was a problem for me. But um, try some controlled drinking. This has been the story of my life with food, um, including that uh, the the things that brought me to the Visions program with the grace of coming to the Visions program were that um, while I wasn't while I wasn't binging, I was doing behaviors with food that were causing me so much anguish um, that amounted to stealing food. You know, going into the supermarkets, taking little bits out of the bins. Um, you know, there were all kinds of rationalizations that just caused me so much anguish. So uh, the things that can bring us to surrender can be all different forms. Um, try to drink and stop abruptly. Um, I always tried this, and I could never exert my will for more than a few seconds or a few minutes or a few hours. Try it more than once. Yes, I tried it many times. Um, and it says it will not take long. Well, for me, even though I came into OA young, it has taken me to a long, a long time to reach uh, the point of uh, honesty with myself and truly understanding the problem and the real solution, which is working the steps um, and cleaning house, working the steps, uh, strong connection, growing all the time with higher power and giving service. So may I keep growing for the rest of my life and um, thank you for listening. Thanks so much, Tenzin. Um, Sandy C and then um, and then uh, Mindy R. Good morning, Hi. Sandy. Yeah. Hi, it's Sandy S. Isn't Sandy from Asheville? S. Okay. Yeah, S. Isn't Sandy. Um, I, I never had any difficulty diagnosing myself. You know, I knew right from the start that I was entirely powerless over food. And, um, you know, there was never a question about it. Uh, so this this was never really an issue for me. You know, the big issue for me was not that I was powerless over food, but because I was bulimic and didn't have the visual consequences of overeating. I just didn't want to stop. I mean, I had no desire to stop overeating. I thought, oh, this is great. I can compulsively overeat, which is definitely the the main reason for me to be alive, the main pleasure I had in life, the main connection I had in life, and I can get away with it. And um, more than a case of the jitters, though, I mean the thought of ever going back to compulsively overeating because I had reached such a bottom, I can't think of anything that's more terrifying to me. 
And I've heard many people say, you know, they have the gift of desperation. Well, I definitely have the gift of desperation every day in terms of really wanting with all my heart to be open to the guidance of a higher power. I mean, that's what I'm desperate for. And I really feel I have the the gift of terror. I mean, to me, that's a great gift to be terrified of ever taking the first compulsive bite because I personally feel that food is different from alcohol. I, I feel like every meal is like a landmine in a way. You know, for me, I haven't been granted neutrality with food. I mean, it's still something I tremendously enjoy. I've shared many times I've been abstinent. My, my anniversary, March 3rd, I'll be abstinent entirely for 42 years. Um, it is the most important thing in my life because it enables me to be open to a higher power. And my belief is that I am connected and that every single human is connected with God all the time. It's just that I'm not able to open up to that reality. And with that, I pass. Thanks very much, Sandy S. Uh, Mindy R. and then Charles H. Hi, good morning. I'm Mindy. I'm a recovering food addict, um, combustible reader. And I I just love listening to this, the um, big book and learning so much from everybody else and shaking my head here. And what, for me, what came up was um, when that was read, it just, I get up early, I did a meditation, and what comes up all the time is what's in my heart, and it, it hits my heart. And, um, and then something happens, and... And I, it's 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 a good thing. It's a really good thing for me. So what I wanted to share was, um, I I believe I've had this for I was born with it because I remember always saying to my parents, "There's something wrong with me." And um, and for me, I remember my dad watching my dad do the diet thing, and so I knew that. And my aunts and my dad wasn't allowed to be in his sister's wedding because he was fat. So it started way, way back. So it's, I believe I was born with it. And I've tried everything. I've tried, um, you know, to, I've tried different, you know, ways to stop eating and not to eating. But I'm just, I'm getting off track. I was falling back to sleep. I'm sorry. But I just want, really wanted to say that um, when people were sharing, I was just, just nodding, yes, I have this thing. Um, I can't do it again. And the other thing is that um, tomorrow is uh, another year of my birth year. So they call it the birthday. I don't like to celebrate my birthday, but because with that birthday comes along with something. And I know I can't have it, but there was a, there was a few a few seconds in the day yesterday saying, oh, well, if I just have it, I'll just have a little piece just, just to please everybody else. And then the voice of of realism came in and said, you cannot eat a bite. Don't do it. So I made it very clear that I did not want that because I've tried it. I've done it. And I just don't want to do it again. And I just don't want to be in relapse. So I just keep coming back. And um, thank you so much, everybody, for all your wisdom every day. Thank you very much. And Charles H., good morning. 
Good morning. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, I just want to say with, you know, I never I never made a decision to be honest. Um, you know, so I read this millions of times, and, I, and, and, and you know, and I followed the direction. When it said step on over to the nearest McDonald's or step on over to the nearest Burger King or step on over to the nearest pizza place, I was submissive. I'm, I'm going to step on over. I continue to step on over. And people looking on me in the tray, I'm a New York. I don't really care about who looking or whatever. And, and I wasn't no isolated eater either. So I stepped on over, and I let everybody know that I stepped on over to that place. Um, so, but when I, when I made a decision to be honest, like, yo, every time I stepped over to that place, I stopped stepping and I started rolling. Um, I don't know. I was rolling in Virginia Beach, rolling, right? And I ain't care. And I was vexed that they didn't have ketchup, and I was vexed that they didn't have orange juice. Now today I live without those things. And I ain't bragging about it. It was a process. It was a process that I had to, you know, make. It was a decision. I'm honest about that decision. And, and when I, I open this text and study it with other people, I, I say the same thing the big books say. You know what? Go ahead and do what you're going to do. You're going to do it anyway. Just, just be honest about your decision. And today I could say proudly that I'm honest about my decision, you know, at my level. I don't know about nobody else's level because I can't drive two cars. I stay in my lane. And, um, yeah, with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Charles. And we'll open up the lines again. Anna M. Anna M. Melissa. Melissa C. Reva P. Wait a minute. Kelly yeah. Okay, hold on. Uh, Melissa C. Cynthia C. Okay, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I think I have everybody here. Maybe one's missing. I have Anna, Kelly, Melissa, Reva, Cynthia, and Harlan. Roz R. And, oh, excuse me. Okay, and Roz R. All right, perfect. Anna, go ahead, please. Good morning, everyone. This is Anna M., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New Haven, Connecticut. And I just want to once again thank everyone for being present. There's something like 360 people on the line, and um, I like to check that because that really blows my mind. That in the scheme of a busy life that we all have, we're here to talk about this illness or this disease. And in the reading on page 31, I think it was, where we just read, the part that struck me was step over to the nearest bar room and try some controlled drinking. Good luck with that. I I mean... I had a situation the other night where I experienced something that was really an example of exactly this. It was at work, and there was a food item that I was preparing, and I thought, oh, I think I could have this, and I I had a little of it, and it was popcorn. And the next thing I know... It swooped up on me like a like a like a eagle taking a little mouse off the street and taking it to go eat. I couldn't believe it. And the next morning, which was yesterday, I, I had made an arrangement to talk to my sponsor, 
and talked to her about it in depth last night that this disease is absolutely cunning, baffling, and powerful, like it says in the books. And it and it really makes it so clear to me the importance of staying on staying in fit spiritual condition that this thing could come back on me like in a in a in a breath. And who knows what could happen if I didn't have this this meeting and this program to be able to talk about it with trusted servants, other people, and say, look, this is what happened, and be honest about it, and continue on my path of progress and recovery. This disease kills. You know, I have, I can easily eat myself up to 500, 600 pounds with no question. I am convinced that I am a true compulsive overeater, and all I have is a daily reprieve based on my fit spiritual condition. This is the thing I have to realize every single day because, I have a busy life like most of us do, and I could get stuck on stupid and, and, oh, yeah, I could have a little taste of that. Oh, no. The truth is this disease can kill me, and I have to really put that in the forefront of my mind and continue on my path. Like I said, the other thing is from this experience, I have learned that there's three food items that were okay. Guess what? They got to go. Because it, this could, that those items could get in the way of me and my fit spiritual condition and my relationship with God is my most important asset moving, moving forward and also my relationship with you all. So I so appreciate everyone on the line and I appreciate the gift of being able to share this experience because I'm sure if this happened to me, it could happen to someone else. And isn't this what this is all about? carrying the message and helping the next person. So with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anna M. Kelly S., and then it'll be Melissa C. Good morning, friends. This is Kelly S., recovered in Oklahoma. Um, Glad to be on the line this morning. So, um, you know, I I know I was around in this program for 30-something years, you know, before I really got this deal. And I always said, you know, I I admit I'm powerless, you know. I said it all the time, but you know what? I never truly accepted that. And like I had said the previous pages, I never really conceded in my innermost self. And so, you know, I had to go back out there. Do I like that I had to go back out there? Do I wish I got it sooner? Yeah. But you know what? I got it when I got it. And I have almost three years of the most beautiful recovered absence I ever had. But I had to go out there, and it was worth a bad case of the jitters for me. You know, I always would say, I keep saying I'm powerless, but, you know, I've heard in these me- these meetings and, and in this program that my actions show my beliefs. You know, so I was acting as if I thought I had power because every time I went out there and thought, well, I'll start tomorrow, uh, you know, I can, I'll, I'll just pick right back up where I left off. You know, I did this in program for 30 something years. This was in the rooms of this program. And so I had to go out there to realize, you know, I still had that lurking notion, that lurking reservation that somehow I would be like a normal person, you know, and I, you know, said earlier on, you know, that delusion had to be smashed. The only way it could be smashed is for me to go back out there and try over and over and finally be brought to my knees and realize that I, too, had this thing. I had to get back in the doctor's opinion. You know, I've said this over and over, vision is my ebby. You know, it it was finding out the doctor's opinion, realizing conceding to my innermost self, you know, and it took every bite, like the original uh, reader had said, it took every bite, it took every attempt. It took those 30 years, you know, I, 
I, I got where I needed to be, and I'm grateful today because, you know, I had those slogans, you know, I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. You know, I put the food down once and for all, and I work this program every single day. And one of the things, you know, it says when I think about in this paragraph, too, is sponsoring other people is I realize everybody has their path, you know, because I don't know about you guys in my, my um, experiences. Like, you know, I'll see people that I think, oh, my God, this person is so ready. And then before I know it, they're back out eating. Or somebody will call me. I'm like, mm, yeah, they're not ready. And then they totally get it because, you know what, well, first of all, I'm judgmental, you know, and I'm working on that. But, you know, I don't know what's going on with somebody if somebody's really conceited, you know, and they really want this thing and they're working this program and they've accepted that they are the real alcoholic. And today, you know what, it took what it took. I'm grateful today to be where I'm at and I am powerless. I have fully conceded. I have no lurking reservations anymore. And I know I am the real, real compulsive overeater. Today, I put the food down. I weigh and measure. I stay away from my alcoholic foods. And I work these steps. And I stay in this big book. And I do this every single day by the grace of God, with God, with God and through God, and with you guys. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Thanks so much, Kelly. Yes. Uh, just for those who got on late or on the bottom of page 31, the last paragraph there, and we're only commenting on that paragraph. Uh, Melissa C., followed by Reva P. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, so in the paragraphs, like, right before this, where um, – you know, we read about like that um, that self-deception. You know that we are lying to ourselves. And now in this paragraph, it's we have to make our own diagnosis. And in order to do that, um, we have to be honest with ourselves. You know, and um, and so like when am I? When was I the best able to be honest and make my own diagnosis? Um, when I was in a lot of pain, you know, like pain got me really honest. And, um, you know, and so, and it doesn't come, like for me, my diagnosis did not come um, on Thanksgiving, you know, when I could lie to myself and everybody's eating around me. Um, the diagnosis for me came the Friday after Thanksgiving or, or like the Monday, right, the Monday after Thanksgiving when I really wanted to stop and found I couldn't, you know, and, and like, so the diagnosis didn't come on vacation. You know, it came when I came home from vacation and I found that I really, I wanted to stop and I couldn't. And, um, you know, and so like for, for myself, my last, like, oh crap, I really have this thing. Cause I kind of knew it with sugar. I knew it for a long time with sugar and I knew it with all those other foods, but um, you know, and so I could make those foods the enemy, like those were the problem. But when I really made the diagnosis that it's me, that I'm broken and it's not just substances, it was when I was abstinent, you know, and I found I couldn't do it. And I was really, um, you know, uh, struggling and I wasn't eating sugar at that point and I wasn't eating flour. Um but I was screwed, and um, and I was uncomfortable, and I tried to eat um, rice cakes. You know, I, I'm like, who thinks that a rice cake could be 
a major problem. Um, and I was driving in the car, and I ate the bag of rice cakes, you know, like one after another after another, and I couldn't, I couldn't even swallow. They were like choking in my throat, and and I was desperate, you know. That for me began like this self-diagnosis, and you know, so the. All my life, I was looking to be diagnosed by someone else. Tell me what's wrong with me. But I wanted to make the cure myself. You know, it was like, tell me what's wrong with me. Oh, okay, I know what to do now. And this is the exact opposite. Nope, diagnose yourself and then follow directions. And, and that's how I recovered. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks very much, Melissa. Reva followed by Cynthia. Good morning, Reva P. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, this chapter is telling me the truth about real compulsive overeating. And what it's telling me is that it doesn't really matter. In my experiences, anybody can diagnose me. And it doesn't matter because I'm not going to follow their suggestions based on their diagnosis. Um, I need to come to this myself. So I love the fact that this is all about self-diagnosis. But what I was really struck with in this paragraph is the dishonesty. You know, part of the disease is the dishonesty. My mind tells me that I can do this. I don't have a problem. I can just have one. Um, I can, this time will be different. I mean, that's, that's just part of the problem. Um, So, it reminds me that if the dishonesty is part of the problem and my mind, you know, can't really um, can heal my own mind, that I need some power that's greater than myself. And that's why I need the steps. And, you know, for me, the dishonesty is not just about the food. It's not just, oh, I can just have one or this is organic and it'll be different. It's I can do things like I can, I can have justified anger. Um, I can yell at my kids just this one time because I have a good reason. And those things, just like the food, they have to become objectionable to me. I have to concede to my innermost self that I can't live like this anymore. It's like a spiritual bottom. I just, I cannot do this anymore. I can't live doing it and I can't stop doing it. Um, And when it's objectionable, and I do the work, a power greater than me comes through as I work the steps um, so that I can differentiate the true from the false, so that I can have that second thought that says, what are you, crazy? You've tried this a million times. Of course you can't have that. Um, But if I don't do the steps, my mind will always convince me that I don't have a problem. So I'm so grateful that we get to self-diagnose, and once I'm convinced... What it's telling me is I have a way out. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Roz. I mean, Reva. And uh, Cynthia P. followed by Harlan. Um, thank you. That was Cynthia C. And thank you for your service. Um, I'm a very, very, very grateful recovering compulsive overeater and food addict. And this is such a good paragraph. I, I'm so exceptionally grateful this morning, you know, I, you know, it's an odd thing to say, you know, to, to be in this program, to be a recovering compulsive overeater and food addict, um, because there were so, so many years, so many years 
that I spent out there trying to control my eating, you know, that I that I would go out there and try that controlled eating and and I kept I was so delusional and I kept thinking, well, this time it'll work. I spent 14 years <clears throat> in Weight Watchers and feeling terrible about myself for most of those 14 years because I just couldn't get it. You know, I couldn't get the weight off. I couldn't stick to the program. It didn't matter what it was. I tried a few other diets and I just couldn't do it. And then all this time I had already had recovery um, in another 12-step program and I knew, you know, in another eating program and I, and I knew that and I knew that there was something else out there, and yet I wasn't willing to concede that I was a true food addict and compulsive overeater. And so for so many years, I was eating my alcoholic foods. And once I would eat those alcoholic foods, I could not control myself. Um, by the time I came back to program, I had had so much food hidden all over my house, just like the alcoholic. I had... Um, you know, candy hidden everywhere. And I have to say that today I'm just, the depth of gratitude I feel of not having to be out there and doing that anymore is so, so deep. You know, today I know that if I pick up an alcoholic food, even if by accident, there have been a couple times where I've eaten something that I thought was, so to speak, a clean food for me, and it ended up it wasn't, and I had to go through withdrawal. And, um you know, and, and I don't and I don't need to do that anymore. Like I know I have an allergy to the body and I also know that when I'm eating compulsively, it was to fill it was to fill this like empty wounded place in me. And today I know that that empty wounded place was a was a space made by my higher power for my higher power to fill. And that is the only thing. Food never fills that space in me. You know, that is my soul and my connection to my higher power. Um, tonight starts a Jewish holiday of Purim, which other people have talked about. My house is going to be filled with goodies, just really filled with goodies. And thank God today I feel this huge relief that none of those goodies are mine. They are not on my food plan. I do not need to eat them. They are absolutely all of my alcoholic foods. They can be in my house, and they don't call to me today. I feel such gratitude that I don't have to obsess about what food, in the, what is in the house, and stealing some of it to like hide for myself, and you know, right. fighting with my family about the food. I just thank you so much for this meeting. I am filled with an enormous amount of gratitude today. Thank you all for your support. So that'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Cynthia C. Good morning, Hal and G. Good morning, Anita J. It's good to be here, and thank you for your service, not only Anita, but thank you also to Team Wednesday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. I, um, I have this illness. I didn't want to have it. I didn't, I didn't sign up for it. I don't remember agreeing to this. I didn't want to be different from the other kids. I didn't want to be different from the other boys. I wanted girls to pass me notes. I wanted girls to giggle when I told jokes. I wanted to look like the other boys, and I certainly wanted to be thin like the other boys, too. And they were not only thin, they were thin effortlessly. It was no work for them to be thin. And so it drove me into madness 
I have this illness. From the time I was an infant, my weight and my food consumption have been topic one. I had people screaming at me. My life was torn asunder. I was emasculated by this disease. I was disgraced by this disease. And the reason that I'm saying that is this. Not only do I know to the core of my soul that I have this illness, but I also respect the fact that with everything I know about the torture of my life, I will go back into the throes of this illness sans a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. I have one solution. One. The steps. Twelve of them work every single day. This chapter is about step number one. It is not a chapter about people who were drunk and could not get sober. We're going to start tomorrow or the next day with a man of 30. And then we're going to talk about the uh, Jim and the Jaywalker and Fred. And we're going to talk about people not who were drunk and couldn't get sober, but were sober and went back. And I fear that. I am different from them. I have an allergy of the body and a twist of the mind. The debate is over. But the danger of going back into the arms and looking down the business end of a Kit Kat bar is still there because my mental twist will seek out relief from the intenable, unbearable pain of not eating in food. I will eat the food and trigger the allergy, and I will pass through the well-known stages of a spree emerging remorseful with a firm resolution not to eat that way again, and I will repeat that cycle ad nauseum. The mind telling me the food makes sense and the body ensuring it does not. There's one solution for me. I don't know about you. The only solution is the steps. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Harlan G. And Roz, you are up. Can I be heard? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you. Let me start my timer. Okay. Um, Hi, I'm Roz R. from Florida. Thank you for letting me share and for everybody's service. Um, Yeah, where it it talks about here, we do not like to pronounce any individual alcoholic, but we can quickly diagnose ourselves. I came in the program 36 years ago. I said I was a compulsive overeater. I said I was a food addict. Um, But I still thought that I was different than you guys. And even though, you know, I heard so many people talk about, you know, um, their alcoholic foods back in the day or foods that triggered them or even food behaviors, uh, I really just really thought I was different. And I would do the weighing and measuring of of the, you know, cookies and the chips and, you know, and I, I was able to get my weight down. And I was able to keep my weight down, you know, for many, you know, for a long time. I mean, most of the time I've been, you know, I've been a pretty much normal body weight. I came in over 200 pounds. But I, you know, I've heard people say, you know, I was abstinent and I was abstinent happily. I was, I was not happy. Every day it was an obsessive day. Every day was, you know, worrying about what I look like and my weight and my food and the torture of wanting to eat and not eating. And, you know, for those people who are on the line, who have been in program a long time and feel, oh, my God, you know, I'm never going to get it. Don't ever give up because, you know, when I came into vision and I began to work the steps 
and, un- and read the big book. I mean, I can't believe all the years I was in program and I didn't, I couldn't even relate to the big book. I didn't even understand the big book. We hardly even picked it up. I mean, uh, and here when we started reading it, I mean, it, it's like, you know, Joan Charlie, big book comes alive, you know, a vision for you, the big book come alive. And um, I've had, I've had setbacks, you know, of, of night cravings and, you know, eating extra at night. And thank God that, you know, I had people I could talk to because one of the things that, you know, I'm known for, and I probably a lot of us, you know, is the shame that comes with, oh my God, I'm not perfect. I did something imperfectly. Oh, now I'm, you know, I'm losing. I'm not going to talk to anyone until, you know, until, until, until I won't go to the gym until those are killers. I have the most wonderful people on this, on this program, you know, from this phone meeting that I've been able to call and that they've been able to call me. And I mean, I'm willing to have people text me or call me any time of the day or night because I'm sleeping my phones off, but just knowing, because people did that for me, just knowing that there was someone that I could text that cared enough about me that when they woke up, they would respond has made the world of difference. So I am so grateful that I was, you know, allowed, you know, that God gave me the vision you know, to, um, to be willing. Um, and now it's like, you know, yeah, I have a, I have a neutrality and, and there've been moments when I didn't at times when I didn't, it's not been perfect since I've come into vision, but you know what? I, I have something now that I never had before. And I'm so grateful to everyone here, to sponsors. And, um, with that, I pass. Thanks for letting me share. Thanks so much for sharing that with us, Razar. Let me have two more names. Vasa O. Larry K. Okay, that's, I think that's going to be it, but we'll see. Okay, Vasa, you go ahead. Thank you. I think it's Anita, right? Thank you. Thank you for your service. I'm Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And this is beautiful reading. It reminds me, by the time I came to Overeaters Anonymous, I was ready to admit I was powerless over the food. I did not need anyone to uh, to convince me. I I took an inventory of my eating habits or behaviors that I was doing in the last 20 years, 25 years before I came to my first meeting. The good news I heard was there was a solution. I was so so thrilled. Finally, finally, there's a solution. If I did all the things that were laid out in this big book and find a power greater than myself, it would work and work the 12 steps. I mean, what a gift that was. It was like a song to my heart. And if I did what this 100 men and women that I, heard, that I read in the, in the first edition, what they did that worked for them, if I did it, what they did, and it worked for me too. And that was the truth, you know, but the first thing was, I was terrified. I was going to die, I felt like, because I was really into the food addiction at that time. And I did not want to die. So I said, I will do I will do whatever you tell me to do. I just don't want to continue doing what I'm doing. And But I did have to put the food down first, you know, my alcoholic foods. And, you know, and I was experiencing the withdrawals and all that stuff. And no matter what, no matter, my sponsor said, don't go back to it. You know, throw yourself into doing this, doing that, whatever. You know, don't get back. And that's what I've been doing. And I've been so, I'm so happy and content to be abstinent today. I mean, when I was into the food, I was miserable. So this is a, a new life I needed to 
start practicing to have a power greater than myself to help me with the food, and I started trusting the, you know, with the steps, with everything in my life, not with just the food, surrender with everything gradually. Thank you for letting me share I fast. Thanks very much, Fasa O. All right, Larry, I think you're going to be our last one. Go okay. For it. I, I'm stuck on girls passing notes. <laughs> That's the best. <laughs> uh, we all want that, right, Anita? We all want that. Okay. I'm um, Larry K. Well, maybe not you, but I, I always wanted that. Um, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. I'll start my timer here. The, um, you know, I, it just it reminds me of just how cunning, baffling, and powerful this disease is. I knew this guy in, in another program, um, another twelve-step program, and and I was trying to crack open the big book with him, and and he just he 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 just had difficulty accepting the true nature of his disease that he had this uh, this alcoholic mind and um, and he would debate and so forth and you know and I we opened that part of the book I said you know listen you know you go out and and see if you can stop see see if you can stay stopped for a period of time and and he tried that and and he couldn't and he would come back and he's like no you know I really I can't stay stopped I said neither could I um. Unfortunately, that gentleman is is dead today. He's he's and you know the interesting thing about it, he was he was a really really great guy, and he's never coming back. He's never coming back. And you know there are two two types of deaths. There's the the last breath death that we're all going to take. You know, and and then there's the uh, the other type of death that I experienced. Perhaps you did as well, and that is uh, you know, remaining dead while you're alive. You're dead inside. And, you know, when each of us climbs these steps, the truth gets revealed to you. You know, you're, in other words, a change in you begins to unfold. And what unfolds for each of us follows a unique trajectory. And whatever that pathway is for you, the one miraculous thing that I, that I consistently see in others is that they seem to have moved from a, an existence dominated by self into an existence dominated by God. And it's unmistakable. You can hear it in their voices, can't you? You can see it in their eyes. But if you never saw them, I could hear it in your voice. I could hear it in your voice. The steps, the actions, you could come on this line day after day after day and sit, in the, sit on the sidelines. And you won't experience what someone who has completed the actions has experienced you won't you won't experience that transformation. I, I remember that guy. He's dead and he's never coming back. And I and I think about him a lot of times because he was a he was a pretty neat guy. With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. Um, and I want to thank everyone who shared today and who took part in the meeting. The share ID for this meeting. Wednesday, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is 11106, 11,106. And we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Uh, will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Good morning. My name is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. 
God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is a great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.